Hello everybody, Darren here. Just before we get started, we want to let you know that when myself and Mike sat down to record this episode, it ended up taking three hours and we decided it's probably not what the people want is to hear us ramble about our opinions of 2020 media for more than length of time of a Lord of the Rings film. So we decided to split it up into a three-part trilogy and this is part one where myself and Mike will go over our opinions of the best and worst of television in 2020. Enjoy! Welcome to Talk Amongst Yourselves, the Entertainment Talkie Podcast. And today, as you might expect, we are going to be going over the best and slightly worst of everything else that's not a film that was produced in 2020. I'm always Mike. And I'm always Darren. It's been a funny old year. Um, I'm pretty sure people can agree to that. Um, what's interesting is that the things we're going to cover today were not exactly impeded by the um, by the ongoing pandemic, at least kind of like for the earlier parts of the year. As we went on, things did get a little bit uh, trickly out so to speak uh, and we are currently i mean most of the uk is currently in tier four restrictions so we ain't going back to the cinemas anytime soon i think if you live on the isle of skilly you can go and watch wonder woman um but that's the only people who can do anything so you're gonna have to make do with games tvs and music now thankfully all three of those have stepped up well not music for me necessarily but tv and video games have definitely stepped up to fill the void this year which is great um because yeah, when you're having to rely on, as I said, I don't envy the people running Sky Movies because I don't know what they're going to do for a year. Um, although I completely forgot about a film that I real quick need to mention. Right. Um, it was a the reason I didn't write it down in any of my list. Just twofold. First reason was it was a Sky Movies exclusive, which right already the alarm bell should have been going off. Um, it was the Secret Garden remake. Oh, oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And and the second reason I didn't write it down is because nothing happens in this film. It may Mm. be the most devoid film I've ever watched because I'm not even being like hyperbolic when I say nothing happens. There is a garden. It's not particularly secret, but there is definitely a garden that isn't magic, it's just a real nice garden, and some kids play in it. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. Jesus uh, Christ. That's two hours well uh, spent. So, yeah, that was so devoid of anything that I completely forgot about it about two days <laughs> after I watched it. It's only when I was watching, reading someone else's list that they mentioned it. I went, oh, yeah, I did watch that. Um, so there's a little uh, bonus for everyone listening to this podcast. But, uh, yeah, we're going to start off with TV. Um, yeah. I, I, no, I'm pretty sure this is the definitive list, but I managed to finish 28 series of television <sighs> made in 2020. We powered through. Um, now, thankfully, wow. um, I know you've watched a bit less, but thankfully we've mentioned a lot of it during our earlier uh, media of coronavirus uh, episodes. That's so true. I won't need to mention... Um, a lot of these things there's a few that i've watched um since the last one we did i managed to catch up on tiger king oh very good i i decided well you know because we're not usually good at covering hot button stuff on this podcast we're quite contrarian in that way Um, we are a little bit (laughs) but i did manage to watch tiger king uh it was as mad as you said it was 
it's just you think the first episode you're like fucking hell when's this show gonna ramp down and it doesn't no there is no ramping down the guy with the sex cult um was a hell of a thing um you didn't even tell me about the guy who gets shot on camera well no below uh, camera it's the uh, the meme the moment there it's kind of hard to explain why i like that but i like it because it is so unexpected and you have been seeing the dude who shoots himself in a lot of other stuff, but but it's only after he kills himself that he realizes you've never seen an interview with him. Yeah. You're like, shit, okay. <laughs> it's a bit scary, isn't it? Um, yeah, a little I, bit. I don't know if I mentioned uh, it, but um, <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned this to you. I've watched a series in total between Christmas Day and now. Uh, that being, Bridge- I watched Bridgerton on Netflix. Ah, how's that? Uh, there's a lot of quivering. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I also, well, I didn't watch it. Uh, sorry, you carry on. I was about to say that I've found it believable because I too have finished a series between Christmas and now. I, I, well, this thing, it's it's a period drama. It's Netflix's like new premiere period drama. Um, it's basically just uh, Downton Abbey with a bit more tits. Um, mm. Everyone's handsome. Um, it's a lot more diverse than period dramas tend to be, um, mm. where they retroactively make a former king, uh, uh, sorry, a former queen black, and then they kind of throw in a line that says just because their king married one of you know our race, that means it's okay for us to be dukes and earls and yada yada blah blah. Um, mm. But it's it's fine. Um, it's it's very periody dramery. So if you're not into that stuff, you will not enjoy this. But I've seen worse things, so that's probably as good of a praise as I can give it. Mm, that's what, fair enough. What was your series? Um, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, Down- Downton, because I think the makes of Downton actually have a new series on Amazon Prime at the moment um, called The Chaperone, which I haven't watched. What I have watched, or at least I've seen the vast majority of the episodes, because I'm not going to lie, I fell asleep during most of it, um, was The Wilds on Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. uh, which is dreadful. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the premise is strong in that it's... Um, the, these girls are like on their way to like this summer camp, plane crashes, they end up on an island, it's a little bit like Lost. But in the inside the first episode, they basically revealed that all of this is planned and it's actually an experiment to see if women could run society solely without any influence of men and you've kind of got this really weird kind of like mad scientist psychologist character and she's the one running the whole experiment and she is fired from her position at university which leads her to start this shady company which obviously then coordinates and pulls off a plane crash and gets some girls stranded in the middle of bumfuck nowhere it's all very interesting um apart from the fact of it isn't <laughs> the the premise is good the execution is extremely poor the acting is extremely poor it's very contrived and it definitely hang- like dangles a lot of carrots and then doesn't actually pay many of them off you kind of get to understand who survives the ordeal by the end but that's pretty much all you understand there's like a another a stupid subplot involving who is a mole for the company like like a young girl um, who's already on side of the the shady organization and the payoff to that isn't great it's just very bland i'm not a fan of it and i wouldn't recommend it <laughs> very succinct um yeah amazon prime had a had a spotty year um they've got a show they've got two shows in my top five um which is good but they also did put out the worst tv show of the year interesting that being hunters 
Um, oh, man. You told me how good the first episode for this was as well. Yeah. It, it Genuinely, right, I'm going to give myself a minute and I'm going to try my best. Because if you read the written article, I go in. I go in on this. But um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try and be a bit more punchy. Um, so, let's go. Um, so, yeah, the first, the opening scene of this series is fantastic. It's Dylan Baker basically revealing himself to be uh, an undercover Nazi uh, who's an American politician. And it's catastrophic how much this falls off the cliff after that first scene, because it is awful. You can't tell what Al Pacino's saying most of the time. Um, There are some really weird, like, breaking the fourth wall moments where they try and be meta, uh, but it's tonally all over the place. Uh, They start singing Staying Alive, which is then interrupted by a horrible flashback of uh, a concentration camp victim, uh, so on and so forth. But you don't need me to tell you anything more because I can succinctly say that the Auschwitz State Museum came out and said this show makes the Nazis seem too evil. And when Auschwitz is telling you that you've made a show that makes the Nazis seem too evil, something has gone horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> oh great god i hate that fu- I, I genuinely I, i've never rage quit a tv show before mm. but that happened when they do this like game show thing that is as subtle as a sledgehammer and i just had to i was just done i walked out the room i said no i can't watch this anymore turn it off get rid um so that was the worst um oh, real quick i because i don't get to mention it anywhere else it was not a good season two for jesus hospital um it really <laughs> <laughs> I we've had such a long year I've forgotten about Jesus Hospital <laughs> right if you haven't watched Jesus Hospital this year I, I, I don't know what more I can do to convince you having said that the second season has not been great other than the fact that it's, they, for one episode for one glorious episode they leaned into it being actually Jesus Hospital um, so this is New Amsterdam we're talking about if you're initiated um, they they leaned into my beliefs that that uh, your main guy Max Goodwin is actually a Jesus allegory for one episode. It was going great, uh, and then they had to cut it short. I mean, it might have been better if they hadn't had to cut it short because they genuinely wrote a pandemic episode and then a pandemic happened and they had to cut the series short by about five episodes. So yeah, uh, season three is coming later this year and maybe they'll pick up all the plot points they were going to do in season two, but. Yeah, it's it's not as not as good. Not the worst, by far and away not the worst, just not good. And I feel people would feel remiss if I didn't mention Jesus Hospital at some point. Yeah, obviously it's it's become a staple here at the end of year review. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, I, I'd like to tell you that you're correct in that Hunters is the worst series produced this year. However, that dubious honour actually goes to Netflix. Mm. Um and they produced a show called The Goop Lab with Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, Michael, you didn't watch The Goop Lab. <laughs> I needed to know how bad it was. And I think if you view this as a comedy, this goes straight to number one. <laughs> it's the fact that everybody involved in this is taking this shit so fucking seriously that catapults it right down to the bottom. <laughs> there is some fucked up shit in this show. Gwyneth Paltrow is a mastermind of torture, um, not only in terms of how the show is structured, because it's very it's very self-aggrandizing. Gwyneth Paltrow behaves like she is some kind of fucking like genius, when in actuality she's making candles that smell of her own fanny. So <laughs> I find it hard to trust the woman, uh, especially when... 
the episodes vary greatly in terms of what they want, what they're trying to like hock as their new kind of cure all, so to speak. One of them is uh, literally dunking your entire body into below freezing cold water because a man in, I think it's uh, Norway, a man in Norway said it's good for you and it hasn't killed him yet. That was fun. Um, there was they they got they went to Mexico uh, and bear in mind it's not just if it was just Gwyneth Paltrow going to do this shit it would be fine and just kind of like seeing her torture herself that's fine by me it's the fact that she doesn't go <laughs> she sends like a team of her subordinates to just try out all this shit while she sits in LA in a room with her and the person that's like actually running her company going yeah isn't this great isn't this wonderful you can really see the difference she's making so yeah I can see the trauma in these young kids eyes they you know they got told they were going to be in a show with Gwyneth Paltrow meanwhile they shipped them off to Mexico giving them some hard drugs and made them relive repressed memories I wish I was kidding. That was a full episode. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I, I fear for whoever's watching this <laughs> and thinks that this is, you know, this is science or this is needed because it's is, neither. There is only one person who comes out of this show looking any better, and that's Chris Martin. Because with every passing year, he somehow looks like the more interesting and better person to come out of that relationship over oh, his God. ex-wife. So yep. how, how it's making Coldplay better is already the damnedest thing you could say about this TV show. <laughs> but there we you, go. You start to feel happy for Chris Martin. <laughs> Which never... That's not an emotion you should feel for Chris Martin. No. Um, <laughs> ah, some songs were all right. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's the worst. Now, I'm... You, you've got a top five locked in, and I so have. have I. I, I wrote up, because I basically listed everything I wanted to do, so I'm just going to run through my ten through six real quick. Um, I will not take too long at all. Um, two BBC comedies um, to start us off. Uh, the Goes Wrong Show, uh, which I was introduced to through their um, Christmas special this year, and then went back and watched all of their season one. Uh, it's really good. It's from the people who did the play that goes wrong. Um, yeah. Have you seen it? I've seen the play that goes wrong. I've been, uh, I've seen the theatre versions of their goes wrongs, but I've not actually watched the TV versions. I, I would, I would recommend it highly. It's basically just half an hour of sketch comedy, um, and it's really good. Some of the stuff they do, um, it, it's, I could not recommend it stronger. Um, we, what we paid through it in a day, all of season one. There's only like six wow. episodes still, but we were just like, oh, we want to watch another one immediately, and it was probably the best thing on christmas i think this year was their uh, nativity special um ghost as well uh it's number nine uh that is um it's from the people who do the horrible histories tv show um yeah there are a bunch of ghosts in a house um where a new couple buys it they inherit it basically they're trying to turn it into the hotel something happens that means the girl that's moved in can see the ghosts uh but her husband can't and hilarity ensues again very simple comedy, nothing too um, too gratuitous here. Pretty family friendly, but very very funny. Um, last week tonight, I've put it number eight, um, just for services to uh, services <laughs> services to rat erotica. Yes, exactly, and to Adam Driver um, fan fiction. Um, <laughs> I, I John Oliver is coronavirus MVP uh, for TV because he managed to put out comedy in one of the bleakish years of human history. So well done to him. Um, <laughs> it was fantastic. Uh, I've put Netflix's uh, limited series Hollywood at number seven. Um, it's a very 
pie in the sky kind of maple leaf version of the golden era of Hollywood. Um, but it's watchable and feel good, and it's got several people I think are going to go on to do bigger things uh, in the not too distant future. Now, number six, I've tied between what should be number six and number five. I have put what we do in the Shadows season two at number six, just because I think right. th- there's some episodes that are a little lacking in the series, but the Jackie Daytona episode is the best thing on TV I've watched all year by a country <laughs> mile. It is uh, the single, single best episode of TV that has been on the screens in 2020. Um, that alone almost made me put it in the top five, but I think it just had some weaker episodes, so it is at number six. My mind is changeable. I may move it up or down at some point before I publish the article, but for now, it's at number six. You're going to hear more about that in a moment. I thought so. Uh, do you want to kick us off with your number five? Yeah, oh, I, I've got a couple of honourable mentions before oh, we get there. It, um, it wasn't produced this year. They had a new series this year, but it wasn't my favourite one. But I got really into Inside Number Nine, which is from uh, two of the creators of the League of Gentlemen. Don't let that put you off. It's I brilliant. Meant to mention to you, do you know the one you recommended I watch? Uh, oh, like the, one of the bleakest episodes of TV ever. Yeah, the, the Twelve Days of um, Christine. Yeah, Christine. Oh my God! Well, I I watched good, it. Though. And about two hours later, Rachel got home from work, and I was like, we need to watch this now. Like, I watched it twice in the same day. It was that good. It, right? It's one of the finest half hours of TV ever Ooh, made. Perfect. The, the, how do they do it? How do you go from, like, some of, like, the worst parts of, like, the League of Gentlemen movie, and then also make that? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> That's fucking range, let me tell you. Um <laughs> Yeah, I also, it's not a TV show. Um, actually, no, are you going to bring up anything to do with, like, online media and streaming later on? Because, uh, like, we normally no. talk about YouTube, but I just wanted to highlight one nah. series in particular. Uh, no, I'm not going to mention YouTube, so carry I'm, on. I'll mention it here, then. Um, Half-Life, but the AI is self-aware, is one of the best TV shows of the year, but it obviously was just published on twitch and youtube but i have to mention it because it's so fucking funny it's so so well done it's all in vr and like there's the main guys like playing like the part of a dude playing gordon freeman he's got four of his mates playing like random npcs whose ai have gone haywire and it is so good that that's all i want to tell you i just want you to watch some of it and see okay. if you like it, because it's very good, and I I've very highly recommend it. I've never played a Half-Life game. Is that going to be detrimental? Not necessarily. The absurdity kind of gets okay. you to... I think if you if you played Half-Life, you'll understand where they are in the game a bit more. But it's just... Imagine, all you need to know is that Black Mesa is a big, like, nuclear science physics thingy. And things go to shit, and then they have to get from one end to the other. That's it. Is it just called Half-Life, but the AI is self-aware? Yeah, Half Life VR, but the AI is self aware. Oh, so on you, there's the the short condensed version is on YouTube, which is what I watched first, okay. uh, and then on Twitch they've got an archive of like the full thing. Right. Okay. The the highlights do it justice though. The highlights are very good. Cool. I will give that a watch. Cool. Uh, so my number five this year is from Amazon Prime, and it is Upload, the new series from the creator of oh, was it the American Office? Was it the um, it's Greg Daniels. Uh, yeah, he's um, he's yeah, American Office, Parks and Rec, etc. Yeah, he's done writing for The Simpsons, King of the Hill. He's done a lot of stuff. Uh, this new series is pretty interesting in terms of it's very similar to The Good Place 
in so much that it concerns the afterlife, but it kind of takes a a light-hearted Black Mirror look at it as well. So it's set in 2023. Humans can upload themselves into a virtual afterlife uh, upon event of their impending death. Um, and it's about a computer programmer like who's like 27 or something like that. And he gets uploaded to his girlfriend's afterlife program. It's like a really expensive because his girlfriend is mega rich um, after he's kind of involved in this car crash. Um, but obviously he doesn't want to be in there. He didn't, he's too young for him to die. He actually forms a bond with somebody who's like his handler in the afterlife, like a customer service rep for this program called Lakeview and it's got a really nice cast uh, you've got Robbie Amell as Nathan who's really funny and really charming uh, Andy Allo plays Nora who's the handler um, and then you've got th- the two people I want to give mad props to and who kind of really pulled me through this series is Kevin Bigley who plays Luke who's like a former army, army um, is he a corporal is he a general no he's, a, he's, he's lieutenant or something like that um, and he's kind of like he knows all the bugs and glitches in the Lakeview program. So, like, he knows that if you open and close the, like, the bread oven five times, a bagel randomly appears next to it. And that's how he gets free breakfast when breakfast has ended. <laughs> he just slams the door over and over again and gets one bagel at a time. Um, and Owen Daniels, who, like, is the AI itself, like, there's all these different... Like it's the same. It's the same actor playing like the concierge, the bag boy, the chef, the tennis instructor. It's this one dude, and it's this really dorky-looking ginger guy, and he's fucking hysterical. <laughs> he's so he's got all of his acting is in his face. It's so impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, honestly, it's just it's just a nice series. It's ten episodes, so it's pretty easily digestible. The first one's forty-five minutes. The rest are thirty minutes. So. It's it's not that big of a time sink, and it is really quite funny. There is kind of like an underlying darkened plot to the whole thing, so it's not like it's not like The Office where it's like think a week. It is yeah. ten episodes, and you're going from one end to the story to the other, so it's a bit more linear. However, it does it, it, within that structure, it does enable itself to tell different stories about what society is like in 2033. I think that's the most interesting part of it that everybody's got a 3D printer at home and that's how they get food. Or <laughs> there's a great scene with this private detective and there's like a, um, like a little mini shopping mall thing and there's just like a robot arm that does the bag packing and the scanning and all that. Um, <laughs> and they call the manager and the manager just literally just like bursts through the fucking wall. It's just a dude and he's just in this tiny little cubicle behind a wall. Oh, it, visually, I think this show is a lot funnier than than the like the sum of all of its parts. Yeah, I would recommend it. I mean, I, I clearly liked it enough to put it at number five, but I haven't watched that much, so I imagine this might be a little bit of a middling of the row show for you. But I would recommend upload. I have watched it. Oh, you have? Yeah, I, I mentioned it in, in one of the uh, coronavirus episodes. Um, oh shit, you did? Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I, I liked it. I haven't put it in my top ten. It, it's um. I think some of the earlier episodes, it kind of takes a, a while to get going. When it finds its flow, it's pretty good. Uh, and it has a great ending that really leaves the door open for an interesting uh, season two. It does, um, yeah. So I am looking forward to that. I think um, he's he's the, the girlfriend you mentioned also deserves a lot of praise because she has some... 
Um, she, she's quite stereotypical early on, but then you find there's a bit more depth to her character as we go through the series. Um, so, yeah, and, and the conspiracy theory thing, because he's about to, as an app developer, we find out he's about to invent or release like a free version of his afterlife program that means you don't have to play subscriptions to it um because if you run out of money in your real life in the oh in the um the afterlife program you basically get put on like dial-up internet mm. where you you get like two minutes worth of um time a month to to do stuff um so he was about to release a free version of that and the conspiracy obviously points that maybe someone bumped him off before that happened because it's very profitable uh, these businesses. So yeah, I would also give it a hearty recommendation. Um, I, I think a season two could really trouble a top ten list, but I think uh, just because it did take me, it took us about a month or so to watch it because we just watched the first three episodes and didn't really get momentum going until we were about you know four or five episodes in, and then we were watching it pretty much daily. At that point. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I just I gotta say how good Kevin Bigley was though. There's that, there's that gag in the first episode where he's like, "Oh, I was in the army, I had both my legs blown off, but here I am," and he just does a fucking stupid dance. I yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Anyway, your number five, Darren. Uh, that would be Shit's Creek number uh, season six, uh, the final season of Shit's Creek. Um, I'm putting it here above what we do in the shadows because although I think there's bigger laughs to be found in what we do in the shadows. I, I think it's just a very nice... It's almost a textbook example of how to do a, a season finale. Um, it has unexpected plot points. Um, some of the things that you feel like were just nailed on to happen don't, but for good reasons. Um, so there's a couple that's been teased, basically... That, spoilers, I'll, I'll try and be vague. There's a couple that's teased most of the way through the season that you think is just destined to end up together. And they make a really mature decision about halfway through this final season to go like, look, we are just too incompatible. We love each other very much, but we're, we're, we've got different things we want out of life, different directions we want to go in. So they have a very, very, very amicable split up. And that's very nice to see. Um, and at least, especially the, the premise of Shit's Creek was that they um, lose all their money um, in the first episode and have to move to a town called Shit's Creek in Canada that Eugene Levy's character brought as a joke for his son Dan Levy. Um, it, it has a joke present for his 10th birthday and now they have to live there because it's the only thing the IRS team has, think has no value. So they don't bother repossessing the town. Um, and it, it's rich people trying to uh, adapt to being poor. Um, you may have seen, um, oh my God, I forgot her name. <laughs> Yeah, one's this an episode, getting, everyone. <laughs> this is getting a really bad habit. I'm so sorry. Um, her name, obviously, is Catherine O'Hara, the mom from uh, Home Alone. Um, as Moira Rose has taken on a life of its own, basically, as a meme machine, particularly in this season. Um, she's the highlight of the show. Um, but it just has a really nice ending. Um, uh, people get married, but they find a way to basically make money again. They don't have to stay in the town anymore. And they all get to leave. It just wraps up everything you want it to very, very nicely. And I mean, I can't, you can't say better than that. There's a lot of other final seasons of shows that haven't come anywhere near that. So to actually accomplish that, I think, was enough to bump it up. Maybe slightly higher, you know, than it should be taken each episode as an average. But I think just because it did accomplish so much in its final season, uh, I'm going to put it in the top five. Just for Catherine O'Hara's... Um, wedding outfit alone where she basically comes dressed as the pope that that alone is worth entry onto the uh the top five very good very good 
Uh, my number four, we've mentioned it already, um, and it's here purely on the levels of entertainment that you get from the series, is Tiger King. And I know it's a meme, and I know people think that it happened last year and it was actually this year, and I know people are tired of hearing about it, but you cannot fucking argue this series is goddamn entertaining. Yeah. It is a wild ride from start to finish. Does this place on your top five, Darren? Uh, no, it does not. It doesn't. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, it, it has absolutely no chill. It goes hard for seven stupid episodes, and you can't quite believe the depths that this continues to go to. I think highlights include, obviously, we talked about the really unexpected and really tragic death of um, Travis Maldonado. Um, my favorite, like, and, and it's not character, but my my favorite voice of the whole thing is Rick Kirkham, who's the one who comes on as like the TV producer for the Joe Exotic TV show. Oh, yeah. I, if I was making a movie of this, that's my main character. Just this outside dude that comes in. He's your straight man. He's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just looking of all the shit that happens in front of him. The the episode where they try to make the case for Carol Baskin killed her husband was interesting, but not the best. And I kind of understand that people kind of didn't really warm to that in the end. Because there, there really isn't enough evidence for it. No. It is... It, it's a, It's a... It's kind of like they decided to make that episode as kind of like the way to get Joe Exotic on board. But that dude did not at any point kind of like hide anything. I think I still think my favorite bit of the entire thing is when he's running for governor and he uh, puts out that advert that's incredibly like brutally honest about himself. Mm -hmm. It's like, <laughs> it's like I've got two husbands. I'm gay. I'm proud. I'm broke as shit. <laughs> <laughs> doing it in the middle of this tiger enclosure and he gets dragged off by a tiger midway through yeah. his fucking speech oh it's perfect it encapsulates the show so well and i think a lot of people are worried about the impact of it because not only is it you know well past its sell-by date in terms of the popular culture but i know a lot of people had problems with it in terms of its depiction of animal welfare and safety and whether or not it was much like joe exotic himself did taking advantage of people in desperate situations in order to make you know exploitative tv shows i don't see it that way especially after watching the admittedly quite a bit of a come down of that extra episode plopped in at the end where you get to see where everybody is now apart from joe who's very much still in prison yeah. um and i don't get the impression that this was as exploitative as people made it out to be i think what it is though is that it's absolutely brilliant filmmaking and document documentary filmmaking on the hands of eric good who's the director because good god they, they really captured the insanity of these entire situation i didn't feel like they left a stone unturned i feel like they got everything they needed to and somehow managed to cram it into what seven hours of filmmaking mm -hmm. and that somehow seemed just about maybe enough to get over the cliff notes <laughs> it's really really it good mad. it uh, i do like he is fortuitous that this kind of just fell into his lap almost of yeah. like without much provocation on his part everything you would want this documentary to like do it does it go it plums those depths of madness just because that was happening in real life. He just happened to be there to point a camera at it. So he's got that going for him. I, I the reason I didn't put it that high was I just it's such an uncomfortable watch whenever you see like, you know, the conditions the animals are living in, 
um the the allegations of him like you know selling calves or cubs sorry of tied cubs off really goddamn young yeah. uh the other guy the uh the sex guy doc antle yeah he's even worse point a camera that dickhead yeah. because <laughs> yeah. he's like you, you can tell he, he may be the most smug man who's ever lived when he comes riding in on his elephant um oh, christ yeah and they're like they they say like again you have to take everything on this every allegation with a pinch of salt we're not saying this is you know we're not saying that Fairland entertainment alleges these this is just what happened in the documentary someone alleges that he has a gas chamber at his compound where mm. once a cub is like past its cuteness he euthanizes them and it was always hard for me to really enjoy the show when that kind of stuff is happening and yeah that that took the shine off for me where i couldn't give it i mean i watched it i and i i watched it over the course of seven days because i went to watch then i wanted to watch the next episode but yeah i can't I, I can't even give it a recommendation for most people i told rachel like you won't enjoy this you definitely won't there's too much bad stuff going on you won't get anything out of this you'll just make you upset angry or both so avoid it but uh yeah, it's certainly like uh, undeniably it's documentary of the year. Nothing else came out that made this much of a oh Christ impact. No. So, and I mean she's turning up. Um, Carol Baskin's turning up everywhere. She was on Big Fat Quiz of the Year. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that that's that's great for someone still alleged to have killed their husband. I mean the the the, the weird thing is what's coming out of this. So we're, we're getting um, a limited series TV show with Kate McKinnon as Carol Baskin. For reasons. Oh yeah, and um, oh, what's his name from Parks and Rec? He's been uh, Joe Exotic. Uh, oh, Rob Lowe. God. Rob Lowe. Yeah, he's apparently going to be Joe Exotic. <laughs> so yeah, that's like that's with Netflix. Meanwhile, over at Amazon, they got Nicolas Cage to play him. What? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, May this year, they cast Nicolas Cage as Joe Exotic for an eight-episode um, TV series. Not based on this, though. Based on an article that Exotic... Um, I think it was an interview in Texas Monthly. So you can expect that to be just as crazy as this fucking documentary was. But yeah, we're going to have <laughs> we're gonna have three separate Jesus. fucking Tiger King series. Jesus, what the world needs. Why did we? Why did I put this so high? Thinking about it now. <laughs> I mean, you you can't fault the entertainment value, and uh, it certainly was a series made in 2020 because it was chaos. There's no denying that. Uh, right at number, where are we? Uh, number four uh, for me uh, is This Is Us. This is primarily based on season three, but we did get some of season four this year as well. Um, I've mentioned it too many times. It's your, like, typical US dramedy type situation, but the USPs, it's set over several timelines of this one family's uh, life. Um, it's just, it, it's carried by just a very, very strong cast. Um, Sterling K. Brown, um, Justin Hartley, Mandy Moore, Milo, Ventimiglia, which I can never say. Um, all just turning great. Um, performances. Everyone they added this year um, added to the cast and made it better. Um, they're tackling more and more serious things. So um, season three was better. Season three was um, very well done. It ends on like a really like horribly 
tragic point between the two brothers, uh, Randall Pearson and Kevin Pearson, where Kevin basically tells Randall, the worst thing that ever happened to my family is when we adopted you. And it's like, oh, boy. And I, I, they're struggling in season four to come back from that, of like, how do you undo saying something that genuinely terrible? Um, it's see, Season four, I, I think if season four was the one that had happened this year, it would not be this high because... The first half has not been good. Uh, it was only about five episodes. They're trying to tackle simultaneously Black Lives Matter, the pandemic, um, adopting more kids. Um, the Vietnam flashbacks are still happening. Um, someone's mom coming back into the picture. It's trying to outdo itself for like shock plot twists. And I worry that's, that there's, there's only a, so much you can do of that before it kind of ruins the show. I know this as a wrestling fan. You try and do too many swerves and it just, everything falls to shit. Um, so yeah, this is not so much for season four as it is for season three, which was genuinely very good. and had some very funny moments some very heartfelt moments and very sad moments. Um, it feels like we're hopefully going to get more of that in the second half of season four. Um, God, I hope so. Um, but yeah, it's worth it just for um, Chris Sullivan as Toby, who was Taserface in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. He's brilliant in this show. Um, he's very, he's easily the funniest character, but he also, when he needs to, can do drama really, really well. Um, basically, if you're an American actor, you just want to get cast on this because you get to do everything. It's such a good showcase for all the actors involved. They're all going to go on to do better and bigger things after this, I think. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that's my mushy um, pick for number four. Trust me, the next three are all very much fair entertainment choices. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to end the, the smush there. Speaking of very obvious fair entertainment choices, my number three is the Umbrella Academy season two. Okay, that's my silver medal, but I'll join in now. Awesome. Um, yeah, I, I think it's unfortunately is a lesser product than its first series as a whole. But I feel like the, some of the individual story strands in this one certainly gave our main characters a lot better and more interesting things to do. Yeah. It, it did, however, prove how terrible Vanya is as a character. Um, yeah. Our, our original review shat all over Vanya. Um, and I stand by it because she had the worst plot line this season. Um, Alison's plot line is easily the best one. I, I think in terms of um, kind of fra- framing the show in, in light of what's happened this year, I think Alison had the best storyline. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's good that they found a way, even though it was, you know, transporting all these characters back to the, the 60s, they found a way, Vanya aside, they found a way to get the most out of all of them. Like, yeah. they're reaching situations where you're like, oh, that is perfect for that character. So, Klaus being in charge of a cult is like, Yep, obviously that's the best thing for him. Yep. Diego in a mental institution, again, yes, that's perfect for him. Um, yeah, Alison joining the early civil rights movements, perfect. Uh, five just running around trying to get it all back together. <laughs> it's just, yeah, there's some unbelievably good episodes in this. Um, which is why I think I've got it slightly higher in that I, as a whole, the Vanya stuff aside is the only real, like, downside of this one it is a slightly lesser product than the first season is definitely uh it doesn't have that like one killer scene i'd say that you know um the first season had several of uh, yeah. not just the you think you're alone now scene which is still yet to be top but i mean it had quite a few scenes like that i'd say the closest this one gets is the five versus five fight 
Yeah, that was really interesting, wasn't it? it it's really nice that, yeah, these two teleport... Basically, it's like, what if Nightcrawler fought Nightcrawler? Um, <laughs> and it's 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 really good. But, yeah, Aidan Gallagher, who plays five, uh, he he's going to be a superstar sooner sure, rather than later. He he's so he's easily not the best actor in this, and he's seventeen. <laughs> yeah, he's outshining like even like actors I really enjoy, like Robert Sheehan as Klaus, and yeah. Aidan Gallagher continues to be the best actor in TV right now. There is God. no contest. I know I've got Umbrella Academy here at number three, and there's still two more shows that absolutely deserve to be where they are, but yeah. like. Fuck me, Aidan Gallagher's so good. He 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 genuinely might become like a like a like a fan entertainment like Hall of Famer. Like oh, he's yeah, just he's so really, good. It's 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 still brilliant. It leaves on a very nice cliffhanger for season three, which didn't look like it was going to happen. But they have never announced that it is going to get a third season. Um, oh, whether or not that's the last one, I don't know because I think at that point they've run out of books. Pretty much. It's interesting because they've. Mild spoiler alert for uh, the end of um, uh, Umbrella Academy, if you wouldn't mind. Spoiler alert! Thank you. So the setup for the, the Sparrow Academy, so like the, kind of like the alternate reality where um, Ben lives, basically. Yeah. Um, which is what the... I mean, the Sparrow Academy is the plot of the fourth run of right, okay. the comic books, which is the one that's currently unfinished. So they've they've completely skipped over our story. Because Dallas is actually the story that um, Hazel and Cha-Cha are introduced in, in the books. Ah. They don't turn up for the entirety of the original run. So they oh, they already melded elements of, of books one and two together for season one. Season two was very much book two. So it feels like we're skipping book three. Uh, if that's the case, I can only assume that's because that they get to work a bit more hands-on with Gerard Way this time. Maybe that's what they want to do. Maybe. I mean, well, this because Mike Chemical Romance being back and, well, they would be touring right now, um, might put paid to, you know, the production line of new books coming out. So we'll see. It's also going to be interesting to see if they are going to tackle um, um, uh, Elliot Page. Um, yeah. Which is, uh, Ellen Page has now come out as transgender. She only identifies as Elliot Page. It's going to be interesting to see if they throw that in there, because they did throw in there that Vanya is um, is a lesbian in this series. So mm-hmm. uh, wouldn't be too much of a jump, but I don't know how you do that without sacrificing some of the immediacy of the plot. Uh, because they, they're literally dumped right into a scene that has to be the first scene of season three. Has to be. Yeah, and 100%. Then it's, but then you're going to have to give, like, you know, weeks or months worth of a jump forward in order to necessitate... Vanya becoming not identifying as a man so well uh, it's it's whether they even do it at the end of the day Uh, Elliot Page had already signed on to do this third season before she made her announcement sorry he made his announcement this year so so as far as I'm concerned I mean it's just acting isn't it so it's it's (laughs) whether it's whether he is comfortable continuing to portray a woman um if he is great uh, if he isn't, that's going to have to be something that they they bridge in this season. The other the other way they could bridge that is that obviously they showed like a bunch of people in the Sparrow Academy. One of them could be a male Vanya. That could be ah. how they get round that, and then they kill off the less interesting Vanya from our timeline, <laughs> with, which I would be very happy with. So that's fine by me. 
Bless her. It's not like she's doing a bad job necessarily. It's just she's lumbered with just the all of her storyline worth came from the first season, and everything of worth in the second season for Vanya is just reacting to the first season. It's other people reacting to her, not what she's doing herself. Um, the, the only good bit she had was when she got unnerved and she was allowed to do something. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Right, my number three uh, in the bronze medal position. Again, we are starting off with the failed entertainment picks right here. Uh, it's The Boys Season 2. Um, I still need to watch The Boys. Oh, Maggle, you will love it. I know, I like the comic books. I don't know why I haven't watched the series. You're, you're genuinely, I think you're, you're absolutely love this. Uh, season 2... Uh, ramps up everything from season one it's it's the violence goes over the top um they are dropping c-bombs like it is going out of fashion it loses <laughs> all meaning basically <laughs> i think you sent me the uh the cyberpunk version of that <laughs> I, I thought you sent it to me oh did i i can't remember I can't. But yeah, Carl Urban as Billy Butcher, it kind of gets silly at some point. <laughs> Every sentence has the C word in it, and it's just, oh. Jack Quaid as Huey, again, just continues to really impress as, as the as the kind of innocent lead of this. Uh, this, move, this season kind of transitions your protagonist. Like, Huey is definitely the protagonist of the first season. This one kind of moves it on to be more about Billy Butcher, like, Huey's still... Maybe it's better to describe him as joint leads. Um, but you certainly spend a lot more solo time with Billy in this season. Um, but undeniable star of the show is Anthony Starr as Homelander. He's so good in this. The last scene of this season. He He's he's act, he's doing two things. I won't give it away, but he's, he's portraying two very different emotions at the same time and does them unbelievably well. I yeah I cannot believe you haven't started watching this. It is so so good. Like it's worth it just for the deep, um, who's played by Chase <laughs> yeah. Crawford, as just this just this dickhead cowardly superhero Aquaman, <laughs> who um, who is own like he's trying to appear like he's virtuous in this season. He's trying to basically worm his way back into the Justice League for want of a better word. Um, but he's such like an he's such a douche. He's such like an arrogant like bro dude that any chance he gets to drop the pretense that he's you know reformed and he's in it for you know he's found God and all that stuff he will do without a second's thought. It's really really good and well worth a watch. I do need to watch it. I've seen a couple of episodes of the first season, but uh, the vast majority of my t- TV is consumed whilst I am also consuming. Um, right. Which which kind of makes the episode where they blow up the uh, the invisible guy a little bit like well ah. uh, you know the bolognese was a bad choice no so, it was so that, oh it gets it gets worse I know. this season it's I know. not better it doesn't get better ne- next season's going to be interesting I don't know how they're going to make that TV safe I genuinely well this is the thing because it's on streaming they can go to the extremes they do. There, there's some of the stuff they do. There's, they introduce a new character in this one um, called Stormfront. Um, let me try and find who plays her. Where is it? Hang on. I'm just going to give it a quick. Um, Googs. There it is. Uh, played by Aya Cash. Um, they do some horrible things to her. All well-deserved, but horrible things to her in the <laughs> season finale. 
Brilliant. Do you know what the next arc of this series is going to be? Uh, of the boys? Yeah. No, I don't. Oh, do you I've want got me to a... tell you? Uh, no. I've okay. got a guess based off, like, it's clear that Homeland are just going to go off in the next season. But uh, I, uh, it's left in such an interesting place that I don't want any spoilers. I'm, I'm good. I want to go in as, as uh, untainted as possible. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's not even like I know what Homelander's next big movie is going to be. So that I know what was next in the comics. Ah, uh, right. Okay. And uh, they are going to have to do something very inventive in order to not not make this like complete like rated X. Like it's it's going to okay. be it's going to be fucking difficult. Uh, all the all the luck to them. Uh, we've already talked about your number two. Um, yep. uh, that being Umbrella Academy season two, um, we'll just go straight to mine. My number two is uh, what we do in the shadows season two. Mm-hmm. I, the fact you already brought up the Jackie Daytona episode, I would also raise the witches episode and yeah. the episode where um, uh, uh, Laszlo and Nadja form a little band and perform their open mic night as some of the funniest fucking things that happened this year. Yeah. I can't fault the Jackie Daytona episode. That is just absolutely flawless. It's uh, so funny. Like, whether that's the best thing, like the best episode that Mark Hamill has been in this year, consider that <laughs> sentence for a second. I, I, I yeah, it's, I, it's the only thing we, we've, right, a couple of times in December, we've been through the Sky Plus planner. I've been like, right, well, delete that, delete that, delete that. I've deleted every other episode of season two of this, but I'm like, don't delete the Jackie Daytona episode. I want to watch that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, so keep that. it's like a little special jewel. It's got a little place in my planner of like, no, 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 we're just going to keep that for a rainy day. Yeah. I, I don't think that this season ends as well as the first season. I will say that. I've put it really high, but I still think that last episode where they go to the theater is not that great. It's fine. It's not yeah. as good as ending season one, finding out that, um, Guillermo has a history in his family of being vampire hunters. Well, yeah, that... He's a Van Helsing. Yeah. Like That's so good. I mean, the theater scene does get really good. Yeah. But yeah, I can. It's it's not as as like it doesn't change the game for season three as much as the ending of season one did for this uh, season. Yeah, I mean, Nadja remains the MVP of this entire series. She's so fucking funny. She's so good. And like she's reaching like Matt Berry levels where every line is golden. It's yeah. just the her delivery is absolutely spot on. What I liked about this season is that I didn't like Colin Robinson in the first season. And then they gave him an episode where he basically becomes vampire Superman. And yeah. it's so good. It completely redeemed that character in, four, in 30 minutes. I was like, yep, I'm on board with this now. I always forget about Colin Robinson, but yeah, he has a great... I mean, Guillermo has a great season as well. The um, When he finds uh, Craig T. Robertson and the Vampire Hunters. Oh, yeah. That's a really good episode. <laughs> That's really good as well. I think it, it, I think the weaker parts of this season are weaker. The, the episode where they go to the Super Bowl party is not great. Yeah. Um, and I don't think there's an episode that bad in the first season. No. But the highs are astronomical. <laughs> I, I, I'm so, I just I just want to talk about the Jackie Daytona episode. I just it think just, that that's one of the most you know, perfect things ever made for TV. There's <laughs> just no... Because this is just a Matt Berry episode. They were yeah. just like, go for it. Do, do Toast of London, but in a vampire setting, please. And he just goes, 
all out. It's yeah, it's untouchable. It's it's easily the best episode of TV this year, easily. The entire the entire like conceit of that episode being that like Mark Hamill's just come to collect like a debt, and I think it was like a month's rent like over a hundred years ago. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, right, well, I'm not fucking paying that, and it's so it's Bat. such a small amount. <laughs> Bat, <laughs> and off he oh. goes. Right, I think Brilliant. we have the same thing at number one. Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt that it's the same for both of us. Do you want to say it? Uh, I do. Yes. Uh, obviously, it's the Imagineering story. Uh, no, it's. Uh, it's <laughs> oh shit! That was also this year. That was pretty yeah. good. <laughs> it was pretty good, but it wasn't the Mandalorian. I got no. both seasons this year. Lucky me. It's yeah. Star Wars is back, baby. Just when you thought Feral Entertainment weren't going to, you know, give Star Wars the number one in something. Ha-ha! <laughs> Little did you know about TV. Oh, God. The yeah. streak lives, Michael. The streak lives. The streak does indeed live. In just in a, it, This is like if Taker just decided to go and take the NXT belt instead. Oh, look at you! <laughs> Your wrestling stuff. More on that later. Uh, yeah, it's... I like... It's not even fair that this is competing against... Because, I mean... We are in the golden years of TV where everything is able to step up its budget and its production levels and all that good business, but it's just not playing on the same. This is basically an extended movie that they're up against. It's just not fair. It isn't fair. Like, this is this is all of the Disney movie magic and, of course, digi Disney budgeting uh, that makes this show just completely unparalleled there is nothing on tv of this consistent quality you could argue game of thrones i raise you series eight uh <laughs> i haven't even watched it i just know the I, I, no, like it. yep that that stands up perfectly fine yeah that is because this is the only worry i have about the mandalorian it's so good that i worry if it carries on there will eventually be a bad season and that's Probably the highest praise you can give a show is that you're like, well, I, I want it to stop so it can be perfect, that there's no blemishes on it. You know, you don't want to become The Simpsons. You want to end when everything's good and get out of there, like Breaking Bad did. Like, it's... Like, don't get me wrong, not every episode lands. And only a few episodes really punch home that, like, that was a brilliant episode of TV. But taken as a whole, there's no... There's no bad episode of The Mandalorian in both seasons. There's weaker episodes, certainly, but even the weaker episodes of this season give you scale, um, you know, scenes, storylines, characters that nothing else can really compete with. Not that that's fair, but that's also the truth. I mean, season two recontextualizes the worst episode of season one into one of the more important episodes. It's already kind of retroactively starting to improve upon itself, which yeah. is just it's just brilliant and you just know that john favreau and dave filoni know exactly what the goddamn hell they're doing they they yeah. know the story they want to tell they know when they want to tell it they know the scale they know the costs and they have made something truly truly brilliant the best piece of star wars media since it was bought out i'm gonna go out and say it it just is wait hang on the oh right since Wait, where? So, so pre everything from Force Awakens onwards, because Force Awakens was the first new piece of canon Star Wars media okay, yeah, yeah. after the Disney buyout. Yeah. And I love Rogue One. Don't get me wrong. I, I love, love the Force Rogue Awakens. One. Yeah. Um, Mandalorian's better. 
it just flat out is the best Star Wars thing we've got since the entire new Disney canon. Find it hard to argue there. I do really like Rogue One, but yeah, this is. I mean, again, you cannot move for Baby Yoda merchandise if just that shows you that people who I know don't particularly care for Star Wars like the Mandalorian. Oh like, yeah, my my wife fell asleep watching New Hope, um, but we watched the finale of Mandalorian. And she had on her Baby Yoda pyjamas and Baby Yoda slippers. She's all in on the Mandalorian. I wasn't going to buy the Razor Crest and then was told, but it comes with a Baby Yoda Lego figure. And it is now uh, two thirds built on my kitchen table as we speak. Nice. Um, so, yeah, it's it's that alone should tell you the high quality. If you can get people as lapsed as our other halves to enjoy Star Wars and actively want to watch it. Yeah, like, we finished work on a Friday. We weren't going to wait until we had two or anything. It was like, well, no, immediately we need to get the Mandalorian on the go. So, yeah, easily the best thing on TV this year. And, yeah, the street lives, baby, so that's good. <laughs> the street lives. It does. Um... And that is that. Thank you very much for listening to part one of this three-part series. In part two, myself and Mike are going to be talking about the best of video games in 2020 if you like this episode please do like comment and share all that good stuff if you want to hear more from us go over to failentertainment.com that's foul spelled f-o-u-l entertainment.com there are years upon years worth of podcasts over there including our podcast covering the best and worst of film in 2020 as well as full written articles of our best of television film video games and so on over on failentertainment.com 